0: Good morning, Golden Corner. How you doing, everybody? Good? good. All right. Well, good. Past five Sundays, I have shared a sermon series with you, entitled "With a Little Help from My Friends." Now, last Sunday, I said we're nearing the end of the series. Well, I stand corrected. Uh, we weren't nearing the end. We were at the end. I'm going to uh, go in a different direction. This morning, I want to share a sermon with you entitled, Riding the Storm Out. Now, I want you to think about something. My last series, I stole that title with a little help from my friends, and you know where I got that, don't you? The Beatles slash Joe Cocker song. Does anybody know where I stole this title from? Huh? Ario Speedwagon. Who said that? Sam, all right, good, good, good. stole it from REO Speedwagon. That really shouldn't surprise you when you understand that your pastor is a uh, an ex-hippie. Then you ought to understand where I get my titles From rock and roll songs. I, all week this week, this little thought kept slipping into my mind. Somebody going to Corner Church is struggling. That just kept, it would pop into my mind and then go away. Somebody going to Corner Church is struggling. Is that you? If we had met in the hallway before the service and I said, How are you doing? and you were honest with me, would you have said, Man, I'm struggling. I don't know if it's financial. If it's physical, health related. If your struggle is emotional. I don't know if you're struggling on your job or maybe in the realm of some relationship that you have. Spiritually, it may be spiritually, that's where you're struggling. You're struggling to keep going forward and keep following Christ in the direction he's established. But I know this. Somebody here is struggling. And I'm not talking to one person I'm talking to a lot of people who are struggling and I, perhaps you understand what's taking place in your life you've just kind of got caught up in one of the storms of life and what i want to share with you this morning is just a couple of thoughts that may help you ride the storm out i need to tell you a story from the bible and it's found in three different books of the bible it's found in Matthew chapter 14 it's found in Mark chapter 6 and it's found in John chapter 6 and it's a story you're probably familiar with, and at the outset of it, Jesus is wrapping up what I feel like to be the, you know, world's largest picnic. I mean, Jesus just had 5,000 people on the edge of the Sea of Galilee, and he 5,000 men, and he fed those 5,000 men and their families And of course you know the story, All the only resources he had was one little child's lunch and and he successfully fed and satisfied this whole bunch. And the Bible says that when the picnic was over, he turned to his 12 disciples and he insisted, that's the word the Bible uses, he insisted that these 12 men get into their boat, their little rowboat, and go across the Sea of Galilee. And he said, guys, you do that, and I'm going to go back, and I'm going to say goodbye to all the people. So Jesus goes back, and you know, I can you know, imagine him saying, thank you for coming. Hope you enjoyed it, and maybe we can do this again sometime. And, and he says goodbye to everybody. Well, the disciples are down on the shore, and they're kind of waiting on Jesus to get there. But Jesus didn't show. Uh, the scripture was clear that when darkness fell, Jesus was up on top of a mountain. That he had chosen to go up on top of a mountain and spend some time in prayer. And, and I think I know who he was praying for. I think he's praying for those 12 guys. And I think I know why he was praying for them. Because he knew what was waiting on them. He knew what they were going to experience before the night was over with. And so these 12 guys finally get it figured out. Well, I don't guess Jesus is coming. We better just do what he said. Let's get in the boat and let's take off. And at first, I guess you could say it was all smooth sailing. It was easy. These twelve men rowing in unison, they covered a lot of ground in a hurry. And they got, I guess, three or four miles, the Bible said, out into the Sea of Galilee. And all of a sudden, something changed. The Bible says that this great storm of wind descended suddenly on these men on the sea. And the winds are described as gale force winds. Does anybody have any idea what that means? Because I do. You know what I did? I looked that up. What is a gale force wind? That is, th- Those are winds clocked between 35 and 65 miles an hour. You're on a rowboat. In open water. And all of a sudden, you encounter 35 to 65 mile an hour winds, headwinds, I might add. How do you think that impacted their little journey, their little trip, their little overnight rowboat trip across the Sea of Galilee? What, how do you think it affected the, the surface of the sea? You know what the Bible says? This is, this is exactly the word that's used. The sea became rough. Matter of fact, that's not exactly where it reads. It says the sea became very rough. And some of you just immediately connected with that. You know why? You would say, man, a light right now, Ronnie. I'm not looking for the t-shirt that says life is good. Um, my t-shirt needs to say life is rough. Very rough. I mean, hard enough to row into a 65 mile an hour wind, but I want you to think about what the effect it had on the surface. The Bible said it created waves, and guess what? There's another word that's used there. It said heavy waves. Waves, plural. It wasn't like one big tsunami came, hit the boat over with. I'm telling you what, these were big, powerful waves that hit their little rowboat over and over and over again. Had to be tossing them up in the air. I mean, you ever been on water when in, in a bad storm? I remember one time these guys taught me into deer hunting across Lake Cassie, and, and we showed up at like 3.30 in the morning. We got in a boat in the pitch black dark, and we started across the lake. And we got out on the open lake. We were in the middle of a storm. And I can remember sitting in the back of that boat, and, and you would see the front of the boat go up. And you'd be looking at, you'd, you'd see the stars. I mean, we were going straight up in air, and then that thing would come slamming back down in the water. And I'm thinking, all oh, this for a deer? I mean, Really? And I imagine, I mean, I can see those guys going up in the air and, and they're, they're coming back down. And this is what the Bible said the Bible says that they fought. They were fighting. That's the word it's used. They were fighting these heavy waves. And the scripture even uses the word struggling. It says they struggled against the wind and the waves. The Bible even says these men were in trouble. And that's not exactly what it reads. It says they were in serious trouble. In other words, the events that were unfolding to them were very real. This was not a drill, this was really happening. I imagine, and, and, and you know how we're coming out of our summer, and you know how thunderstorms are a lot in South Carolina. They, they come in quickly, and then boom, 30 or 40 minutes, they're gone. No, 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 not this one. This was not a thunderstorm. The Bible says this storm lasted for hours on end. Hours. For hours, they fought. The heavy waves. For hours they were tossed to and fro. For hours they fought against that wind. For hours they struggled. I got to believe that they were physically exhausted. I got to believe they were frustrated. All progress now prevented. I got to believe that they were frightened, don't you? In the meantime, what was Jesus doing during all this time? He's up on the mountain and he's praying. And I've got to believe he was praying for them. And the Bible says this, that from his vantage point, he saw them struggling. He saw what was going on. Now, you've got to stop and think about this for a minute. This was in the dead of night. I'm talking the dead of night. And Jesus was three or four miles away from them. How could he do that? Well, he's God, right? I want you to understand something because there's something you've been wondering. You've been wondering if he's aware of what you're going through. You're wondering if he sees what you're facing. You're wondering if he, if he understands how exhausted you are and, and how frustrated you are and how frightened you are. Listen, I've got to let you know this. Yes, he sees. He's completely aware of what you're going through. There came a point where Jesus decided that's enough praying. I'm going to them. And he walked down off the mountain and he walked down to the edge of the sea. And the Bible says he started toward those men. Now get this, he didn't have a boat. He didn't have a jet ski. But he started to them. You say, did he dive in and begin to swim in their direction? No, you know this story just like I know this story. Jesus began to walk across the surface of the water. He had three or four miles to cover Tommy to get out there to where these men were. And I don't know if you've ever seen paintings that kind of depict what was going on, but all the paintings I've ever seen, you you know, you got this Jesus kind of gliding across the placid surface of the sea. Well, we know better than that. You know what Jesus had done? Jesus walked into their storm. It was storming where Jesus was. Because he was going where they were. And he wasn't gliding across the smooth surface of the sea. He's walking on top of these waves. Now these waves that were battering that boat, that were frightening these men, that were exhausting these men. They were nothing to him. I believe it's kind of like walking over a boulder field. There's a stream I fish in the Smoky Mountains. And when you walk up to it, you look at it and you say, where's the water? Well, the water's down under all those big boulders. And you find yourself going up and down and up and down to fish it. And I believe that's the way it was when Jesus was walking across the water. He was up on top of the wave and then he was down and then he was up on top of the wave. And he's down and he's making his way to these men I don't know how, what time he started and I don't know how long it took, but I do know what time he showed up at the boat. The Bible tells us he showed up next to their boat at 3 o'clock in the morning. And these men, I, I believe, were absolutely focused on survival. And I, and I believe they were putting everything they had into rowing and trying to get through this storm. And they probably didn't notice at first, but all of a sudden one of those guys saw something out of the corner of his eye. And when he whirled to see it, there was a figure standing next to him. And, and I guess the guy really regretted this later, but he screamed out in fear. But then all of his buddies began to scream in fear as well. And then one of them said, I know what that is. That's a ghost. <laughs> that's an insult to Andrew, and you know what? Of all the things here we are and now a ghost you know what I think these, these guys were thinking? We are so close to going under, we are right on the edge of the dead. I think that's what they were thinking. And Jesus, recognizing that his appearance really had made things a little bit worse at the moment, he said immediately, Don't you be afraid. You ought to be encouraged. It's me. I'm here. I've walked into your storm, and I'm here. That had to be unexpected. But I believe they heard something come from the Apostle Peter's mouth that was even more unexpected. Peter spoke up and he said, Jesus, if it's really you, I want you to enable me to do what you're doing. I want to walk on the water to you. Now, if you're Jesus, what are you about to say? Are you nuts? <laughs> I'm me. You're you. And why don't you just hang out in the boat, and we're going to, try to, going to try to get you guys out. You know what Jesus said to him? That's exactly what I want. That's exactly what I want. I want you to do what I'm doing. Peter, come on. And before those 11 guys could grab Peter's coattails, he was out of that boat and he was standing on water. Standing on the water. I'd I'd love to know what that, it had to feel kind of like, I believe it like a, uh, I don't know, a a roller coaster. A seesaw man, he's, you know, Peter's standing there, he's like, wow, this is incredible. He's up, man, he's down, and Jesus is going up. They're just standing there bobbing up and down, looking at one another. Jesus said, come on. Peter took, he took a step, and another, and another. I'm, I'm telling you, I believe that, that, that these guys, their minds were blown. I mean, he, you know, he, you ever thought about this? For just a few moments, Peter wasn't thinking about the storm, was he? I'm not thinking about the storm. If I'm walking on water. Man, I, I'm, I'm engaged. I'm engaged in that moment. I'm not daydreaming. You know what I mean? I'm not worrying. I, I'm engaged in that moment. I believe for just a few moments, Peter forgot what was going on. And then there must have been this big wave. Maybe a, one of those 65 mile an hour gusts. And all of a sudden, Peter is back in the storm. And he realizes what's happening. And it was almost like the trap door opened up underneath him and he, poof, he went down. So he had the presence of mind just as he was going down to cry out to Jesus and say, save me. Jesus quickly grabbed him, pulled him up and I'm amazed. Jesus didn't pull punches. That's something that I've always... He, never, he didn't pull punches. He was always honest. So he saves Peter from this predicament. And he looks at him and he goes, What's wrong with your faith? <laughs> Come on now, Jesus. This is not a time for a, a sermon on faith, you know. What's wrong with... The, he said, Why don't you trust me any more than you do? Jesus helped Peter get in the boat. And then Jesus stepped in the boat, and and in the book of John, it says that these men were eager to have him in the boat. I can understand that, can't you? When he stepped in the boat, a couple of miracles happened. One, wind ceased, seas dead calm instantaneously, just like that. That wasn't all. The Bible says that when these men looked up, uh, they weren't sitting in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. They were on the shore. They had reached their destination just like that. You think you got a fast boat, dude? You really think you got a fast boat? These guys went for a fast boat ride. So fast they didn't even notice it. And when they got to the shore, you know what the Bible says these men did? They worshipped Jesus. They worshipped him. I'll tell you why I think that was. I think that in this ordeal, they saw something about Jesus that had such an impact on them that they could not help but express it in praise and adoration and thanksgiving and worship. And I believe it's the same lesson that God sent me here today to pass on to you. What is it, what is it we learn here? Get this now, okay? Jesus is greater than our greatest storms. You got it? Jesus is greater than our greatest storms. Jesus didn't lead these men around trouble. Have you ever thought about this? But rather Jesus led them right into trouble. You say, now wait a minute, wait a minute, Rhonda. Do you think Jesus knew there was going to be a storm out there? Huh? I mean, they didn't have radar and the weather channel and weather underground. Would Jesus really know that that was coming? He's God. Yeah, He knew. He knew it was coming. And rather than leading them around, say, whoa, hold off, boys. It's going to be bad around midnight here. So you want to kind of hunker down on the shore and wait this. No, no, no. You know what he said? It's going to get really rough. So you better get going. Man, I just spit. No wonder nobody sits in those first three rows. I was wondering about that when I started. Okay, I get it now. That seat's wet. You know what Jesus, you know what he said? It's about to get rough. I want you boys to get out there in it. He led them into the storm. That's exactly where he wanted them to be. He led them into a frightening, difficult, emotionally taxing situation. Why do you think he would do that? Oh, it was the perfect backdrop against which he could show them something about himself. He wanted to show them he was greater than their greatest storms. The disciples were not coming out of this one on their own, through their own skills, their own effort. This storm was too powerful for them, but yet they got through it. How? Jesus got them through it. Jesus was more powerful than their storm. The storm was great, but Jesus was greater. Jesus wanted these men to know that he could get them through anything. Did you hear me? He wanted them to know, I can get you through anything. Why do you think he wanted them to know this? I believe that he wanted them to be as unaffected by the storms of life as he was. That's it. He wanted them to be absolutely as unaffected by the storms of life as he was. You think about this for a moment. The storm didn't affect Jesus the way that it affected the disciples. They were afraid. He was not. They were struggling. Jesus wasn't. They couldn't make any progress. Well, Jesus did. They couldn't control their circumstances. Jesus proved that he could. The circumstances that were creating so many problems for these men weren't creating any problems for Jesus at all. Jesus wanted these men to be as unshaken by the storms of life as he was. Therefore, he showed them something. I'm greater than the greatest storm you'll ever face. Ronnie, why why do you want us to know this? I'm going to read you one verse, okay? It's John 16, verse number 33. The words of Jesus, not mine. Jesus said t- to his disciples, "I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Now, let you listen. I think this is on the screen. You got to get this. This is not something that we are happy about, but it's the truth." Jesus said, "Here on earth, you, what? What's that word? Will not might. You will have. What's that word?" Many trials and sorrows. Now that came straight from the mouth of Jesus. Those words are in red in my Bible. Now I'm going to give you the hardest translation of what Jesus said. You ready? Life's tough. Life is tough. In this life, we're all going to have our share of trouble. Sooner or later, every one of us is going to sail right into the heart of a storm. Every one of us. Is it Ronnie, you keep talking about these storms. What are these storms? They're protracted periods of time that are characterized by distance, I think. Think about this situation. Jesus on the mountain, the disciples on the sea, miles in between them. You know, these protracted periods of life that I'm calling a storm, they're characterized by distance. It kind kind of feels like this. It feels like Jesus packed his bags, got in the car, and drove off, and left you sitting there by yourself. There are periods of life we have trouble feeling His presence. You have trouble hearing His voice. It's like He's gone quiet on you. You have trouble finding the evidence of His hand on your life, His blessings. The Old Testament tells us a story about a man named Job who was in the midst of a storm. And this is what Job said. He said, I've looked for God everywhere. I've looked behind me. I've looked out in front of me. I've looked to my right, my left. This is what he said I can't find God. I can't find Him anywhere. Storms are characterized by distance. Storms are characterized by darkness. There are periods of our life where in our journey with Christ, we just see the way ahead of us illuminated so clearly. We know exactly where He wants us to go, what the next steps are. You know what? During a storm, it's like somebody cut the light out. And you find yourself in the dark. You don't have a clue. You don't have a clue which way to go in your life. You don't know east from west and north from south. I I remember one of those times in my life. I had this place I would go to out in the woods where I'd pray. And I remember I was standing there one day and I said, God, I don't know where I'm going. I don't even know where I am. You know what was going on, and I'm in the darkness. Storms are protracted periods of time that are marked by difficulty. If it could go wrong, it goes wrong. It's- you know when it happens if, i mean listen man if you could if you could drop it and break it, you drop it and break it. If there's a snag you could trip over, you, you, I mean, if it could go wrong, it does. And it's just, it feels like you're running in mud or that you're, you're, you're trying to, 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 to go against the grain of the wind. It's difficult. Life's not easy. These storms are protracted periods of time that are marked by danger. Here's what I mean by that. There are some bad things going on, and it's not your imagination. The diagnosis comes back, yeah, it was cancer. And when they were laying off of the plant, but guess what? Uh, they laid you off, and when the mortgage company needed that, that big payment to keep you from going into foreclosure, it wasn't there. There's some really bad stuff that's going on in your world. and Here's the thing I'm trying to tell you. Is every one of us somewhere out there in front of us is a period of life like this? Some of you would agree with me now because that's where you are. How does Jesus want us to react to these storms? He wants us to be as unaffected by them as He is, not shaken. He wants us to be able to remain calm and confident, even cheerful, even and, and faithful no matter what we're facing. But if this is going to happen, we've got to know that Jesus is with us and that he can get us through anything we face because Jesus is greater than our greatest storms. I know are you still with me? I didn't lose you in the, in the deep there, did I? You still with me? What do we do in light of that? Don't focus on the storms. Focus on Jesus. You know, it appears to me that Peter was the only one getting this. He saw that Jesus was greater than the storm, and he apparently understood what it meant to him. This is the thing I love about Peter. He saw possibilities in the storm. He saw some real cool possibilities in this storm. So he cried out to Jesus, and this is a Hodge paraphrase. And I felt like he was saying, I'm tired of fighting this storm. I want to be like you. I want to be free from the storm even while I'm in the storm. Do you understand that? Jesus wants us to be so unaffected by the storms that we're free from the storms. They're not dictating how we feel. Even though we're right dead in the middle of the storm. He wants us to be completely unaffected by it. Jesus obviously wanted that for Peter and said, Come on. So Peter jumped out of the boat and started to Jesus. He was free. He was absolutely free. And then Peter's attention was diverted. And he recognized that he was in this storm and immediately began to sink. You know why? Peter lost his faith. He lost a little bit of faith he had. And here's a very important lesson for us. To remain unshaken in one of life's storms, we've got to have faith in Jesus. Where does faith come from? Faith comes from focusing on Jesus rather than focusing on the storm. When we only focus on the strength, the complexity, the severity of our storm, our faith is going to be zapped. And in its place, we're going to find fear. And when fear takes over, we find ourselves sinking, sinking down into depression, sinking into anxiety, sinking into self-pity, sinking into fault-finding, anger, bitterness, hopelessness, confusion. You know what happens? With no faith and only fear, we become prisoners of our storm. What do you do? You focus on Jesus. And here's what I want you to focus on. You get. I want you to listen to me now. What do you focus on? You focus on the fact that he's with you. He's with you. Whether you feel him or not, you can write this down. He's with you. You focus on the fact that no matter what you're facing and what you're going through, he is right there in the boat with you. And you've got to focus on his power. Those waves that were just pulverizing these men, they were nothing to Jesus. Nothing. You got to focus on his wisdom. You know what? It's, it, these men, they couldn't navigate in the dark, but they had one in the boat who could help, who could navigate in the dark, man. He could see in the dark. I remember that I was telling you that little story about me asking, saying to God, I don't know, you know where I'm going. I don't even know where I am. You know how he responded to me that day? I'll never forget it. It was so distinct and clear. He said, What does it matter if you know or not? Because I got you by the hand, and I know where you're going, and I know where you are. I got you. We got to focus on cross faithfulness. You, you get this line. You get this lesson. Whatever Jesus leads you into, He's going to one day lead you out of. You got that? Storms. Last longer than we want. But storms don't last forever. What Jesus leads us into. He will eventually lead us out of. Focus on Jesus and you'll have faith. And faith enables us to be unshaken in the midst of any storm. Jesus is greater than your greatest storm. So stop focusing on the storm. And focus on Jesus. I want to pray for you. Let's bow our heads together. To those of you who are struggling, I want to ask you to do something. I'm the only one in the church looking. I want to ask you, if, if, if you walked in here today, and you are struggling. I want you to lift your right hand up in the air and hold it up there for just a while. Yes, yes, yes. Come on. You're struggling, man. I'm just struggling, Ronnie. Put them down. Hands all over the room. Listen to me. I want to pray for you. Father in heaven, I don't understand why you do the things you do. For some reason, you've chosen to put storms in our path, and I knew, God, that there were people here in the heart of the storm right now. And I pray that, that through something that I've shared, that you gave me to share here today, that they'll find stability. That they'll find peace. That they'll find the strength that they need to be free from the storm while the storm continues to rage all around them. Lord, I pray that in the coming hours, in the coming days, that they will, that they will begin to experience something that maybe they haven't experienced in a long time. That is joy. Happiness and confidence that this thing is going to run its course. I want them to feel your presence in a way that they haven't felt in a long, long, long time and find comfort in that. I want them to hear your voice. I want them, I want them to hear you reassuring them that this is going to be okay. Lord, I want to pray something for them that may be perceived as selfish, but... When I read this story, I can't help but notice that you delivered these men. That you brought their storm to an end. And they docked up their little boat and and walked into a beautiful day. Here's my prayer God, you have the power and the ability, you have the authority. To change the direction of the winds of their life. And I'm talking to some people here, Lord, that are just struggling to the degree that they're they're about out of the strength that it's going to take to keep going. I'm praying for men and women all over this auditorium that you would deliver them from this storm. That soon they'll see the clouds breaking up and see some blue sky on the horizon. And I pray this bless them greatly. You bless them greatly in the aftermath of all that they've been through. In the name of your son, I pray for them. Amen. Thank you so much. You're dismissed.